Have you ever read a book and felt like the person you were when you started reading the book wasn't the person you became after you finished reading the book? Um, this doesn't happen to me often, but on, in this episode of the podcast, I want to share with you a book that I've read that has profoundly moved me and sort of changed my way of seeing the world. Welcome to the third episode of the podcast, Becoming the Influential Me. I am so thrilled to be doing this again. And you're probably wondering, Michelle, can you get straight to it? What is the name of this book? <laughs> the name of the book is The Choice. And this book is by Edith Eager. I'm going to say, I want to say that correctly. I've mispronounced her name so much over the past few months. And this book is about a woman who was sent to Auschwitz when she was 16 and she, she and she was there for um, a year. And she talks about the journey into adulthood, into a womanhood, into, you know, her being a Ph.D. student, into her being a qualified psychologist. And she talks about the journey of becoming who she's ended up being today and how uh, unlike other Auschwitz books that I've read, and, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't read many, but out of the ones that I have read, this isn't about just her experience. In fact, her experience is about less than a third of the book at Auschwitz. Um, the rest of the book is sort of her trying to free herself from this life-defining moment that would crush the best of us. Um, and this is why I chose this book as my book of 2020. And I wanted to share with you why I love this book so much. It, it moved me. It changed me. It was not a sad story. I mean, there were points where I cried. <laughs> I'll be honest. But what moved me was the spirit behind this book. Okay, so let me get straight to it. Why do I love this book? I absolutely love the book because, like I mentioned, the spirit behind it. This woman is not saying, you know, my story is, is so bad that whenever you hear it, I want you to think, oh, my problems aren't that bad and move on with life. Her message is, I want people to think and feel that if she can do it, that's Edith, then I can too. And I thought, what a beautiful message. Because as I was reading the book, at no point did I feel um, a sense of heaviness. I actually felt a sense of aspiration. And I felt her pushing through all the various challenges that she faced throughout her life as she navigated, um, I guess, life post-trauma. If, if, you know, not to minimize what happened. But yeah, there we go. Okay, why else do I love this book? It's incredibly well written. This woman really thought through her message and really delivered it in a way that you sort of get sucked into her world. Um, and even though, you know, I wasn't there in the, in the, in, at that period in history, I kind of, she allows me to, to go there. She, she, her descriptions are so beautiful and her, her emotions come through the pages. And whenever I read a book like that, and not every book is like that, um, I just, I can just, sit on the sofa for a whole weekend and just, you know, have my mind blown by literary genius. And that's what I kind of felt when I was reading this book. What else do I love about this book? It brings together the horrific and the best in humanity. What do I mean? I mean, what she went through and what she describes about her time at Auschwitz is harrowing. It's horrific. She lost her mother and her father. Um, and she talks about seeing the gas chambers. She talks about people being emaciated and dying 
of starvation and people suffering serious um, health issues from working so hard and then just collapsing in front of her or having to, you know, sleep in a pile of dead bodies. She talks about some really harrowing stuff. But in, the, but in the same breath, she talks about the beauty of moments and the ability to overcome everything um, and how she managed to keep her mind sane as the world was crumbling, you know, not even underneath her feet, all around her. And that's why I love this book. And that's why I also wanted to share it with you guys. Aside from that, this book has many raving fans, um, people that I love and respect. I think everybody that I've read who has read this book has been transformed by it. Uh, Oprah Winfrey loves it. I think um, her foreword or something like that is done by Marion Keys. Um, a lot of people have told me how incredible this book is. Mar Marie Forleo had her on her program. A lot of people have been changed moved by this book. So in case you haven't got it already, I hope you, you're halfway through ordering it as we speak. Okay, so what are some of the key concepts that are shared in this book that particularly thought made me think, okay, this book is worth, worth sharing? The first one that I absolutely love is she talks about freedom is a choice, that suffering and bad things will happen, but it's about having the curiosity to ask, okay, that's happened, what's next? Now, I've often said to people, you know, whenever you experience setbacks, um, just, you know, it's, it's not about how many times you fall down. It's about how many times you get back up. We've all heard the cliches and we all know them almost off, off by heart. But when you hear somebody who's been through something as profound and as, as deep and as potentially damaging as what Edith went through, and she says that, for me, I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. I choose to be free. I choose um, to have a life that serves me. I choose to make choices that are fulfilling. And I make choices um, that no matter what setbacks I face, I will get up. And for me, that was the most inspiring message out of almost everything else that she shared. Her ability to choose what she wanted to be and what her destiny would look like. Okay. What's the second key concept that I absolutely loved? She talked about how vulnerability um, in accepting your limitations and your challenges and leaning into them is what really allows you to, to transcend your own mental limitations. I don't mean to get all deep and airy-fairy and whatever, but ultimately when we lean into and really understand, okay, what are my weaknesses? What are my challenges? What are the things I'm not getting? How can I achieve my goals? Bearing in mind I've got this big, huge vat of insecurities and weaknesses and whatever. How do I overcome that and cross that and then go across that and actually reach my goals? And what she talks about isn't ignore the fact that you have weaknesses or, you know, try and sidestep your weaknesses and talk up your strengths. Well, what she talks about is saying, OK, leaning into those limitations, really saying, OK, what do these limitations mean? How do I analyze them? How do I um, assess my weaknesses and actually try and move, move forward, whether that is actually saying I'm going to park these here or whether that is actually saying, OK, how do I transform some of these things into things I can use in my favor? So it's, it's a real almost like an audit of one's weaknesses and not just a this is what I'm good at, this is what isn't, but actually delving even deeper. And with that, you're able to reach an even higher height and whatever you set yourself in terms of your goals and dreams. Okay, what other concept do I love about this book? She talks about um, suffering, 
you know, and I, I can think of no greater suffering than being at Auschwitz when you're 16 years old and, and watching your mother and father be um, burned to death, um, hearing screams, watching people dying. I mean, it's, it's, there is no, in my mind, you know, as limited as it is, there is no greater horror than that. And yet she talks about how we, we suffer even more when we believe nothing we can do will change the, situ- the situation. She talks about how, and one of my favorite quotes from the book um, is, is how she got through each day. She says, I survived today, tomorrow I will be free. And that's how she got through each day. She just said to herself, if I survive today, tomorrow I will be free. She didn't think about a year in advance. She didn't think about, you know, uh, six years in advance or even six months in advance. It was just each day as it comes. And what I love about that is she gave herself a sense of agency. She didn't allow herself to think somebody will come and save me. Her mission was just to survive. And she focused only on what she could do. And for me, this was mind-blowing because a lot of us a lot of times are faced with challenges whether it's in the workplace or in our personal lives and what we do is we we just see all the things that we cannot do and all the ways we cannot overcome challenges and we become overwhelmed by them instead of focusing on the one little thing that we could do that could change our situation for the better we almost get into this what she calls learned helplessness and with that in her words, comes the greatest form of suffering. But if we accept the little thing that we can do, that one small thing, and actually do that, then we suffer a lot less and we draw closer to freedom. Um, Again, this book absolutely blew my mind in terms of how she was able to synthesize and put all this information together about all of our flaws, all of our ways of thinking, all of our self-doubt and all of our um, self-deprecating behavior, all of our our judgment, all of our negative thinking, and actually sum it up and put it into short stories and short explanations of her own experiences with these things. Um, The way the book is written is she talks through a series of patients that come in to see her and she uses those as ways of exploring her own challenges, but also the challenges of humankind um, and womankind. And as I was reading it, each time I read it, I thought of one of my clients or one of my students who, you know, face these challenges. Oh, Michelle, I have so much self-doubt. Oh, Michelle, I haven't got a clear plan of what I need to do. Oh, Michelle, there's a thousand limitations in my way. Oh, I can never be vulnerable because I'll be perceived as weak. And, And the list goes on. All of those things that we face in our corporate careers, and suddenly she just blew them to smithereens. And the way that she gained credibility in doing that is because she went through what none of us can ever imagine going through. And that's, that's um, for me, a, a concept that helped me move forward. Uh, because again, I said to myself, there is nothing that I cannot overcome. And with that, I made a conscious decision that I can never again say I cannot when I'm faced with a challenge, somebody's going to say, Michelle, somebody's going to remind me in six months or in a year that you said you said you, you're never going to say I can't again. <laughs> and please do, because this is my commitment. Um, whenever I'm faced with a challenge, I commit that I will not say I cannot. I might say I will not, but cannot is no longer a part of my vocabulary. Okay, um, what, else is, what, what else do I love about this book? Let's jump into some of the quotes that I thought were particularly um, transformational for me as I was reading this book. Um, my favorite ever, and this, this really moved me, 
is when she said that her mother, as they were on their, on their way to Auschwitz, uh, they were in a packed vehicle, like everybody was standing, they had one bucket um, for waste and, you know, amongst like hundreds of people in this vehicle and they didn't stop and people were sleeping, standing up. It was just horrific. And her mother reminded her and said, no one can take what you've put in your mind. And for me, it was like a, a penny drop moment. And, and she emphasized that point as she went through the book. The power of your own mind in dictating how you will get through situations. So with her, it was, if I survive today, tomorrow I will be free. And that strength, that mental strength in the midst of such adversity uh, came because she knew that they may strip her of everything she has, clothes, money, um, family, you know, all of those things that we think we need or that we know we need to survive. She was stripped of all of it. Dignity stripped of all of it. And yet she said, one thing they cannot take away from me is what is in my mind. And that is what I will control. And that is how I will get through this. Now, that's not to say people that didn't make it out of Auschwitz did not have strength of will because I'm, they did. Um, but it is to say there is a lot of power in protecting our minds, in making sure we feed our minds the right things, and in making sure that whenever we go through tough situations, the most important question you should ask yourself is, what am I thinking and is it the right thinking? Not what decisions am I going to make, not, you know, what's the next step from here, uh, but actually, am I thinking about this in a way that serves me? Thinking about your thinking was what Dan Sullivan constantly taught and taught me that what's most important is not the decisions that you make, but that you make sure the vessel that you're using is, is the right one. So protect your thinking. And like she said, no one can take what you've put in your mind. Okay. Um, what else do I love? What's another quote that I absolutely love? She was talking to some of her, well, sorry, one of her uh, psychotherapy clients and she was asking them questions about themselves what do you like to eat where do you like to go what do you what do you want to do in your spare time and the, the client kept responding I don't know I don't know I don't know and we've all been there when you ask questions you're like what do you want to be where do you want your career to be in five years time where do you want your career to be in 10 years time where do you want your career to be now <laughs> and you're like um I don't know and what she says which I absolutely love is I don't know means you're not aware of your options. And without options, you're not really living. And I thought, wow, this is so profound because when we say I don't know and we don't seek out that knowledge, we limit our own choices. And she says when you limit your own choices, you can never be the highest, best, truest version of yourself. And again, for me, I, it made me rethink, um, you know, this this... I'm going to speak for myself, laziness that I have in terms of discovering what I'm about um, in certain areas of my life. And it made me rethink ways I can be better at discovering basic and obvious things about me. And what, the, what this ultimately came down to for me is my time. Because whenever I say I don't know, it actually means I haven't dedicated enough time to thinking about this in order for me to give you an answer. And so with that came a changed habit. I decided that I'm going to spend every single morning or a part of my morning thinking about, discovering, answering questions about, 
who I am. And this may sound very um, basic because a lot of people will say, I know exactly who I am. Do you? In every single area, about every single thing? <laughs> the answer is likely no. But what I love about this opportunity that I feel like Edith um, you know, gave to me was it was an opportunity for me to stop and really do an audit and really say, okay, so when I say I don't know, I'm almost ceding power to whatever the situation is. And no longer do I want to cede power. I want to be a fully empowered human being to achieve whatever it is that I intend to achieve. And that comes from me discovering who I am, what I'm about, what my strengths are, what my passions are, what my limitations are, what I love to do you know, when I'm free to dream, what my passions are um, at the base level. You know, when, when you take away the, the, the time, the money, the resources, if you take away everything, what am I about at a base level? And I really read, I did a rethink on a few of these things because you don't stay the same. So sometimes you do this audit in your 20s and maybe you need to do it again in your 30s. Whatever it is, you don't stay the same. So, so I said, okay, um, can I revisit these things and can I really think about them and become deeper in my knowledge of who I am? Because it's an opportunity for me to show up more powerfully in this universe. Okay, and why else do I love this book? Just to wrap up, I absolutely love this book because it presents all of us with an opportunity to audit where we are in our lives, where we are in our careers, and what is possible. This woman graduated from, I guess, university or college, if you're from America, at 42. She got her PhD in her early to mid 50s. I want to say 53, but don't quote me. Um, and for me, a lot of people at that age just wouldn't do it, <laughs> which is quid, right? I'm too old. Oh, I don't want to be in the same class as young people. Um, or I don't know if I'll manage it with, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons. She had a, a mildly disabled child and she managed a family life a, um, and a career. And to build it at such a late stage in her life was, for me, impressive. She had some serious challenges. She couldn't speak English when she first moved to America. And she had a low-paying job for many, many years. But she did not let that define her. Which brings me to the main thing I love about this book. Self-definition. And that is, who am I? She could have been a Holocaust survivor. And that is all she is, you know, somebody who, you know, is defined by that event. But actually, she redefined who she was. And she's more than just a Holocaust survivor. She is somebody who is a, um, a successful woman, a successful psychotherapist, uh, a successful mother by every such of the imagination, and somebody who is accomplished in all of those things. Why? Because she chose to not let something that would crush most people define her. And I absolutely love that. And the question is, what challenging situations, what um, traumatic experiences are you allowing to define you? 
And how can you use those as fuel to go on a journey of self-discovery so you discover who you are aside from those things? We've all had tough experiences and tough things happen. I mean, a, a really glib and, and almost meaningless in the context of talking about things like Auschwitz. Uh, example is lockdown. It's been really hard for a lot of people. It's been really challenging for a lot of people to navigate you know, the, the several, you know, the, the many different dimensions that, and implications of what this lockdown has meant. But let us not let that define us and s let us use it as a setup, as a base, right? To see, okay, what is this setting me up for? Because one other quote that I absolutely love from Eden, he said, survivors do not have the option of asking, why me? What they do ask is, what now? Right? It's kind of like, no matter what's happened, what now? And for me, that was super, super empowering. So I'm asking you the question, what now for you? Yeah, 2020's been tough, um, you know, but what now? Um, yeah, and so these are my thoughts on this glorious book. And if you haven't read it, please go out and purchase it. It is phenomenal. And it will blow your mind if you get through it cover to cover. In fact, in the first 13 pages, I remember reading it and saying, oh my gosh, this book is gripping me already. They, haven't, they hadn't even gotten to Auschwitz at that point. Um, so do read it. It is such an empowering read. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it. And that is all from this edition of Becoming the Influential Me. I hope Edith's journey in her becoming the most influential version for herself can inspire you as much as it's inspired me. Next week, I have got an exciting announcement to make, uh, but you have to wait for next week. And until then, have an incredible week, and I hope you enjoy reading the book. Until next time. Thank you.